Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Good morning, Calvary Aurora. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, You guys are like family. I don't know if you know that, but... Back in, uh, oh gosh, January of 2015, there was a Wednesday night service here, and my wife uh, sent out an emergency prayer request because I had been in a terrible accident. My hip was shattered. Uh, I, it was in Honduras. I came back to the States, but when I got back to the States, I had like a month time where I was just, I was dying. I, I, I couldn't eat. I had a head injury. I was losing weight. I'm back to my full weight now. I'm 155, a little fat, you know, but I was at 116, 116 pounds. But you guys prayed for me. If you were here that Wednesday night, uh, you prayed for me. I got like 165 emails that night. We were on our way to the emergency room to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and my phone just started going off, and the ding, 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 all these emails, and, and I, I, I'm out of it. I say, honey, what's going on? And she looks at it, and she starts reading these emails, and it's from you guys. You're praying for me. <laughs> so, we're family, Amen. <laughs> Well, today, we're going to be in Romans 12, uh, chapters, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And I've entitled this message, To Serve or to Be Served. Now, one of the things that I've noticed in, in church, I, I've, I've only been a, a believer about 30 years, and I've been a, a pastor for 20, like 4, 25 years, is that it seems like more and more and more, people just are spectators, I mean, yeah, praise the Lord you're here. I, I, I commend you for being here, to, to taking your Sunday morning off and coming here to be filled, to be blessed by the worship, to be filled with the Word of God. But the reality is, is that we're not called to be spiritual spectators. We're not called, called to be Christian spectators. We're called to be active. We're called to be participants And we're going to look at the message this morning, and really what God says to each and every one of us is, lay your life down, let me do what I want to do in your life, and then get involved. Serve. You know, the best thing to do is to to grow where you're planted. And if you've been called here to Calvary Aurora, you need to grow. And service, as we give ourselves to service, that's part of the growth process. You know why? Because some of the most challenging people that I've had to deal with in my life are people I've served alongside. And God has shown me how to love them, how to minister to them. God's shown me that I I am hard-headed, I'm not merciful, I need to be more merciful because I've put myself out there. Not that I'm a great Christian, that I'm a great man of God because I bleed just like you bleed. I struggle with sin just like you struggle with sin. And the only difference is that I'm willing to put myself on the front lines every single day 
Pastor Ed is willing to put himself on the front lines every single day. Your pastoral staff here are putting themselves on the line every day. If you're a servant here, if you're a volunteer here, you're putting your life on the line because there's a spiritual battle out there. Amen? And if you look at the news, depending on which end of the spectrum you look at, we're losing the battle. Why? Because too many of you, if I can be so bold to say, too many of you are spectators. You're not actively participating. It grieves the Spirit of God. It grieves God's heart because you aren't trusting Him. You're not willing to lay your life down for Him. It's not about the church, really. I mean, yeah, the church as a whole. It's not about this church, but God wants you to lay your life down for Him so He can use you as He desires. Amen? Let's pray and let's see what God says this morning. Oh, Lord God. I thank you for this family that you've given me and my, my wife. Every time we come here, Lord, we just feel so blessed. Um, there's people we know here intimately, but there's others that we don't, but we still feel like family, Lord. So I, I pray that you would bless Calvary Aurora. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up just a, a mighty army of prayer warriors, a mighty army of servants here to go and do your bidding. Lord, this is a lost and dying world, you tell us, and we know it, but Lord, we, we need your strength. We need you, the power of your spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the living God to move in us, to cause us to just lay our lives down. So Lord, would you just have your way with each and every one of us this morning? Father, would you move in our midst by your spirit and would you speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read Romans 12. We'll start with verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul starts out with beseech. I implore, I, I beg of you, therefore. Why is therefore there? Because of all this doctrine that he gives us in chapters 1 through 11. The, the doctrine of mercy, the doctrine of grace, the doctrine of, doctrine of sanctification, of justification, of righteousness, God's righteousness, God's justifying of us. Because God has done so much work in your life, Romans, because God has done so much work in your life, Calvary Aurora, by the mercies of God, because God has shown you so much mercy. Does anybody here deserve salvation? No. We deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve total separation and annihilation because we are rebellious in nature. But God in his mercy, because of his mercies, present your bodies a living sacrifice. The word present is the same word that's used as presenting a, a sacrifice to a god. The Romans knew what this meant. The Greeks knew what this meant. The Jews knew what this meant. 
And so now for us, he's saying, you know what, guys? Lay your life down on the altar. It's not about you. It's not about me. God wants you. He wants all of you as a living sacrifice. Your whole body, your whole being, every aspect of who we are, he wants us. Not because he needs us. He doesn't need us. You know, he used an ass to speak to Balaam, right? If he can use a donkey, he doesn't need you and me. Not because we're smart, not because we're strong, not because we're intellectual, whatever the case may be. But he wants to use us because he wants to bless us. Do you want to be blessed? Yes, we all want to be blessed. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, in which he meditates day and night. And then he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, who bears fruit in his season, and whose leaf shall never wither. It's being in God's word. It's being active and obeying what God tells us to do, to lay our lives down as a sacrifice, to stay on the altar, not to squirm off when it gets difficult. It's difficult, guys. Do I like being a pastor? I love being a pastor. Is it difficult? It's really, really difficult. I loved being a full-time missionary, traveling around the world, doing things, but it was difficult. The spiritual warfare is just intense when you're on the front lines. So I want to tell you that, not to scare you away, but to say, you know what? God is in control. God is in charge. I have a new hip. I'm not hip, but I have a new hip. (laughs) And and you know what? I'm, I'm standing. How blessed am I? I I live in one of the most beautiful places in the world, Colorado Springs. I have the Rocky Mountains right there. I have the peak. You know, it it snowed the last couple of, or actually last Sunday it snowed, and then it snowed um, a few days ago up on the peak, and it's like, wow, Lord, this is amazing. I thought floating around in the Caribbean when I lived in Mexico was cool, but man, I am Rocky Mountain high, right? I am blessed to live here. God says he wants our bodies. He wants all of us, not just part, not just the easy things. He wants all of us. And he wants us to be holy. The word holy just means set apart. Same kind of idea as the sanctification of man. When you were saved, if you're here as a believer and you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, God sanctified you. He sets you apart from the world. Why? Because he wants to use you. He wants to work in your heart, in your mind. He wants to change who we are. He wants to basically brainwash us in a good way to take out the old and bring in the new, a new character, a new man. So that's that sanctification process. He's continually telling us as we read the word, as we exercise our faith, how he wants to change us and what he wants to do in our lives. And then... Here's my expectation. We're going to be fully sanctified. Can you wait? Can you, can you imagine? We're going to get to heaven, and my neck's not going to hurt anymore. My wrist isn't going to hurt anymore. My hip doesn't matter that I have a fake hip. It's gonna, not going to be a problem. My ankle, my knee. Man, I am messed up from head to toe physically. But that day, I'm going to be perfect. Amen? That's exciting. But he wants to work in us now. He wants us to be holy today. 
You are a holy people. So he says, be holy, for I am holy. And acceptable. God wants us to do the right thing. God wants us to, to be accepted by him as we listen to him, as we obey him, as we are obedient to the things that he tells us to do. Because why? Well, in the last part here, verse 1, it says, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable is, where, is the word logikos in the Greek, where we get our word logical. It's logical. And service can also be translated into worship. It's logical worship for us to lay our lives down and to be a sacrifice. Apart from Christ, apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't do that, can we? We're into this self-preservation mode. We want to keep everything we can keep. We want to have everything we can have. But he says, no, it's reasonable. It's logical. It's, it's the way that we truly worship is by laying our lives down. But here's the process. Verse 2 says, and do not be conformed. Or really, it's like saying, stop being conformed. Stop being fashioned after this world. One thing that's crazy to me is as I've gotten older and older, I've seen a lot of the different styles come back. And I, I lo loved my elephant bells back in 1975 and my platform shoes and my John Travolta, you know, big, like, collared shirt, right? That was the fashion at that time. I was kind of hip. I always tell my wife that I was a trendsetter because even back then I wore Birkenstocks. And, you know, it's like now it's hip and cool, but I don't care about being hip and cool. But you see, the, the world's fashions change, right? And if we start or keep fashioning ourselves after the world, we're going to keep changing. We're going to keep running after what the world says we need, and we don't need it. We don't need what the world has to offer. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. John wrote this letter when he was 90-some years old. It was at a time when he had already been boiled in oil and banished to the island of Patmos. But John gets it right here. He followed Jesus, and he knew, as Jesus says, you know, that, that know you are Christians by, you know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. He says here, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Lust. Lust isn't just talking about sex and that desire for sex and, and another being. Lust is just an unhealthy, insatiable desire for something else. More stuff, more power, position, or sex. But that's what the world says. The world says you need more. Need a bigger house. Don't drive a Chevy, drive a Beamer. If you dress like this, you act like this, look how cool you're going to be. Look how happy you're going to be. The world system is 
ruining the church because too many of us in the church are bringing the world into the church and there's not a, a clear delineation between Christ and the world. You may be here today and you're just doing your duty because you're here for your wife, you're here for your husband, you're here for your mom, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, you're here for somebody else. But I can tell you what God wants to do in your life is he wants to radically transform you. Because I know, I have an MBA, and when I got my MBA, uh, I was the first of 27 grandchildren to graduate from college on my mom's side. My grandma came out to my wedding, or my wedding, my, my graduation, she was like so ecstatic, and I was all about me. You know what, I'm gonna be a millionaire. I'm gonna build houses, I'm gonna build buildings, I'm gonna just do everything that I can do for me. I want a boat, I want multiple cars, I want multiple houses, and then I get saved. I got saved because my wife came home one day and she says, you know what, I don't love you anymore, and I'm leaving rocked my world but that's where Jesus came in and got me that's where he took a hold of my life and that's when I started reading the Bible and I remember when I first time I read in Matthew where it says not to worry not to worry about these things because you need to seek first the kingdom of God you can't serve mammon and God you can't serve money you can't serve fame and God yet you, you have to choose who you're gonna follow and I chose Jesus. But I'm a rich missionary. Well, I'm a pastor now. I'm a poor pastor, but I'm a rich missionary, okay? But I'm a rich, rich person because my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I possess all the, the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. So do you. When I say I, it's, it's us. We possess all things. This world has nothing to offer. Can I get an Amen. This world is passing away. But here's what God wants us to do. Go back to Romans 12, 2. It says, don't be conformed, so don't be fashioned after this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed is a Greek word, metamorpho, where we get our word metamorphosis, like this ugly caterpillar or worm thing that spins a cocoon and then comes out several days or weeks later, or even some butt moths are there for like six months, but they come out a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous piece of work. God wants to transform us. God wants to start with our, our, our minds. He wants us to renew our minds. Renew is the, to renovate, to change, to make like new. Does anybody here like old cars? Anybody here have that as a hobby? where you take like an old, I want a 58 Ford or Chevy because I was born in 1958. And I would love it, or I, actually I'd even like to get like a split window VW van, you know, maybe like a 62 or 63 and renovate it. You can trick it out, you know, put all the new gadgets in it or the house, you get a new house, you put granite countertops and all of the cool lights and all the bells and whistles. You get it hooked up to your smartphone. You could, you know, turn things off and on. That's what we do here in this world, but that's what God wants to do in our minds. He wants to take this garbage that we have been dealing with. He wants us to, to 
renovate it, to transform it into a new thing that he can do and only he can do in our lives. And as we ask him to change our hearts, as we ask him to to change our minds, you know what? 99.999999% of the time he does it if we let him. It's it's when we resist, we go, yeah, Lord, I want to serve you. I'm going to put myself down on the altar. I'm going to put myself in there, but... No buts. The only but is but God. But God is faithful. But God is the God of comfort, the God of peace. God is the God of mercy. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to let you stay on that altar and and sacrifice you. There's no blood when we put ourselves down as, as a living sacrifice. It's just that he wants to transform our minds. He wants to renew our minds. Why? that we might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Prove is test. We step out in faith and we test God. We see, what does God want me to do? Where does God want me to be? How does God want me to live my life? And as we step out in faith, we make mistakes. It's okay, guys. It's okay to make mistakes. Maybe you've never had anybody tell you that, but it's okay. I hate making mistakes. I am such a perfectionist. I'm so type A that I hate making mistakes. But God has proven himself and shown himself so amazing when I step out in faith and I make a mistake and I learn from my mistakes. I'm kind of one of those two-by-four guys. God has had to hit me upside the head with a two-by-four most of my life to get me to, to move or get me to understand. But as I've gotten older... I don't need the two by four. I've asked the Lord, you know, Lord, train my ear to hear that small, still voice that you have. Train my heart to be open to what you want. And you know what's amazing? He answers those prayers. And I tell you that not because I'm great. I am not. I'm not saying hallelujah me. It's hallelujah. I'm saying if God can do it in my life, he can do it in your life. It's like I tell people, like these videos that are up, you know, and and I'm on YouTube and stuff. I don't watch myself. You know why? Because I think I look and sound like a geek. It's like, man, you know, how could anybody listen to me? Because I can't even stand listening to myself. But God, in his grace and his mercy, has proven his perfect will. Let me kind of transpose or translate this in a different way. It says, stop being molded by the external and fleeting fashions of this age, but undergo a deep inner change of humility. That's what God wants to do in our lives, guys and gals. He wants to change us. He wants to make us more humble. He doesn't want us to think more of ourselves or less of ourselves because you know what? We're children of the king. We are sitting right now in the heavenlies, in his realm. We've been transformed. We've been changed. So as we lay our lives down, as we come to him as a living sacrifice, here's what he wants in our lives. Let's read forward verses 3 through 8. Because here's where the service comes. Here's where it's like, stop being just a spectator and get in the game. Get involved. 
Verse three, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So Paul says, through the grace given to me, speaking of my apostleship, Paul didn't think of himself as anything great, but he knew his calling, so he says, as an apostle, basically, I want you to know this, to everyone who is among you. So who's to serve? Who's to be involved in the work of God? Everyone. You're not just a casual Christian. You shouldn't be just a Sunday go-to-meeting Christian. You shouldn't just be a pew warmer. God wants us all. So he says, I want all of you not to think more highly of himself than you ought to think. Not to think that your gift is better than anybody else's gift. Not to think that your calling is any better than anybody else's. But to think soberly, seriously, as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. You all have faith. Every one of us has a measure of faith, a certain amount of faith. Some people have more faith than others. That's okay. But whatever measure of faith God has given you, step out in it. Faith is like a muscle. James says, you know, you say you have faith, but I'm going to show you my faith by my works, what I do. I'm not saved by works. Paul tells us in Ephesians, we're saved by grace and grace alone. But as we step out in faith and we exercise our faith, we, be, we all of a sudden have more faith. I like it. It's like if, if I was to walk up to the edge of the stage and I didn't know what was down there, if there was like just a chasm, and God says, step off, Wayne. <laughs> no way. I'm going to fall and I'm going to get hurt. No, step off. And when we exercise faith, we step off and all of a sudden, oh, wow, it's only three feet. That's not so bad. I could do that. Next time we step off, when God says step off, we're thinking, oh, it's three feet, but, oh, man, it's a free fall. And we get caught by a limb, and we're hanging on by a limb. But then God shows you that, oh, the, the cloud's clear, and there's a platform six inches below me. See what I'm saying? Is that as we step out, it's scary. As we step out, it's not always easy, but it's so fulfilling. Man, I've, I've amassed like 300,000 miles of frequent flyer miles over the last 10 years as I've gone different places and done different things. And it's been so fun, but it's been so difficult. I've ate some of the most terrible food. I've been in some of the most mosquito-ridden places. But I've seen God work in people's lives in amazing ways. And I go, wow. I'm stepping out of my faith. And God's using me. Let's go on. Verses 4 through 5 says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Just as your body has many parts, as he says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, you know, we have fingers, toes, eyes, ears, nose. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it says that, you know, if you say that you're nothing because you're not an eye, you're wrong. Not everybody's the eye. You say you're not anything because you're not the mouthpiece? No, we don't need a bunch of mouthpieces. We need people that are stable. We need people in the church and the body of Christ that are like big toes that give us balance. We need people that are like arches and heels and things that you just hardly ever see. We have the inward parts. I mean, if you saw my inward parts, you'd be grossed out, right? 
But they're, they're hidden parts. They're the needful parts, he says. That's just like the body of Christ. There's so many different members, and each of you has a part in the body of Christ, and God wants to use you. You don't have to be up front. I, to be honest with you, I don't like this. I, I don't get like this great joy and this big ego trip because, oh, wow, I'm teaching in front of a bunch of people. It's really, really nerve-wracking for me. Because like I said, I sound like a geek and I look like a geek. And it's like, I don't, ah. But here I am. But maybe you're just the inward parts. Be that part. It's like a car. How many of you know how a, a car engine works? Some of the guys go, yep, I know how it works. But you look at it and you push the gas pedal, you turn the key, push the gas pedal, and it's by faith that most of you look at it and, and it works. If it starts to smoke and sputter, you keep driving until it just dies. The guys that know what they're supposed to do, they go, whoa, check the oil. Check the antifreeze. God is at work no matter what we think. We don't have to know that the pistons and the valves and all these things work together. You just have to do it. So verse 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Everybody has different gifts. You all have gifts, so use it. If you prophesy in proportion to your faith, prophesy. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says that prophecy is for the exhortation and comfort of man. Prophecy is not just foretelling the future. It is foretelling or, or forthtelling the heart of God. It's like Isaiah says, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do because my ways are higher than your ways. My ways are above finding out. But I'm going to bring you back. So he's sharing his heart, and then he's foretelling the future. If you have the gift of prophecy, use it to comfort and exhort the body of Christ. It's not to rebuke the body of Christ, but you do it in proportion to your faith. In Romans 10, he says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why I'm such a proponent of reading and studying the Word of God. Get as much of the Word of God into your life. Get on a Bible reading program so that you can profess God's goodness to this lost and dying world. Or verse 7, if you're in ministry, use it in the way you minister. This is the, the word diakonos, where you get the word deacon. It's a servant. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a pastor who is a, a shepherd. You know, as a, as a pastor, as a servant, as a shepherd, as someone who just wants to help God's people understand his word. But maybe you're the, the cleanup guy. Praise the Lord, we need cleanup guys. After the inductive Bible study seminar yesterday, there's gals walking around there, there's little black lights, and I don't know if you have a black light, but if you have a black light, you can see there's the, your floor glows here because they have different places where they set the chairs. And they were going around with this um, PVC pipe thing, and they were, they're measuring the chairs, so that all the chairs are straight in, in, a, in a line. Did you know that happens here in your church? Probably not. That's the, the people that just are in the background. They're doing it. And, I, and these gals and guys that were doing it, I was like, I am so impressed because they were taking their jobs seriously. They were ministering, teaching. He who teaches and teaching. You know what? In reality, we're all teachers. Did you know that? I just thought about this. Yes, I'm a, a Bible teacher, but 
I have five grandchildren living in my home right now, and my daughter and my son-in-law, and I teach them every day. Either I teach them the good or I teach them bad. But we teach. If you're a Sunday school teacher, man, do it as unto the Lord, right? Make sure that you rightly divide the word. Make sure that you rightly present the word. Do it with the right heart. Do it with the right attitude because it's a gift that's been given to you and do it in proportion to your faith. Exhortation, verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation. Exhortation isn't rebuke. Exhortation is to build people up. I'm exhorting you right now to serve, to stop being the one that wants to be served. Stop just coming here on Sunday to be served a good meal, to be served good worship. Come and serve the body of Christ rather than be served. He who gives with liberality. Everybody's called to give. Okay, so don't think that, oh, I don't have the gift of giving. I just have the gift of receiving. No. Everybody's called to give. Well, how much do I give? Do I tithe? You know what? I don't believe that tithing is scriptural for a New Testament church. Giving is scriptural. Tithing is a good place to start. 10% is the place to start. If you're a multimillionaire, give millions to the Lord. You know the story of J.C. Penney? J.C. Penney, he was a failed businessman like three or four times over. And he was in a mission in downtown Chicago. He was at his lowest, and he got saved. And he told the Lord, you know, Lord, I'm going to give to you. I've never given to you. I'm going to give to you. He started out right off the bat giving 10% of his profits to the Lord. By the time he died, you know how much he was giving to the Lord? 90%. He chose to live on 10% and give God 90%. So whatever proportion to your faith, whatever proportion to God's blessings you give is what this is talking about. And if you're a leader, do it with diligence. Don't be a slacker. And if you're the one who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. The gift of mercy is a difficult gift, I think, because I don't have it. I'm not a very merciful person. I'm like, get over it. Come on. Suck it up, right? But... I have a granddaughter who has a gift of mercy. Tabitha is her name. And when she sees anybody hurting, she hurts. When she sees a need, she steps in to help. Because she's like, it, it, it's who she is at 10 years old. It's, it's in her DNA. She prayed for Brooke, my wife, this last week because um, my wife's knee is just racked. And it's bone on bone. She needs to have a, her knee replaced. And Tabby goes up there to her because my wife's crying. And she says, oh, Nina. She calls her Nina. It's okay. God's going to heal you. And let me pray for you right now. She prayed. And yesterday, my wife was walking around here helping. If anybody was here at the IBS seminar, my wife hasn't been walking in over a week. She's been hobbling and limping. Her knee doesn't even bend. The prayer of faith of a little merciful 10-year-old girl God used her. Isn't that glorious? Amen. Yeah, let's give, give God a hand, man. So here's the reality, guys. God has called each of us to lay our lives down. You are not your own. 
If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you need to know Christ. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. It says that he gave of himself freely. He doesn't expect anything in return, really. But because of what he's done, we should be so gracious. We should just like, Lord, I want to give it all to you. I want you to take this life, take my relationships, take my job, take my livelihood. I want it all to be yours so you can use it. And then step out in faith. Step out to see what God wants to do in your life. Try things. It's okay to fail. It really, really is. At one time, when I first got saved, I I was involved with 10 different ministries. Uh, Because I'm a type A personality, I thought that was normal. I thought, oh, that's what everybody does. But one of my pastors, uh, the associate pastor, said, "Uh, we need to start taking things away from you. You're doing way too much. Let's zero in on what your gifts are. And my gifts are helps, teaching, exhortation. And so that's what I do. I, I like to teach. I like to disciple. I like to see what God does in people's lives. You know, it's, it's messy sometimes, but it's glorious when God comes through and just blesses people in changing their hearts and their minds and their lives. So that's my exhortation to you. See what God wants to do. I love Psalm 139, the last two verses. We'll close with this. It says, search me and know me and try me. Try is that same word as prove. Test me. Take me through the fire and see if there's any wicked way within me. And then lead me in your way to everlasting. Let that be your prayer. Let that be your prayer for God to use you the way he wants to use you. And you know what? You'll never be disappointed. You'll never be disappointed because God is a faithful, gracious, loving God. You're his child. I'll take a bullet for each and every one of my grandkids. Jesus took a bullet for us on the cross. He gave his life. So we should do that same in return. Amen? We're going to close in prayer, so why don't you all stand? And if you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, you're probably here today thinking, when's this guy going to invite me to come on down and accept Jesus? We have people that are going to be praying up front. I want you to come down. If you have needs, if if your walk is lukewarm, if your walk is non-existent, your relationship is non-existent with the Lord, come on down. Let's pray for you. Let's, Let's just see what God wants to do and how he wants to use you. All right? Lord God, I want to thank you for Calvary Aurora. I thank you for this opportunity to come here. To be able to come here as your servant. I'm always humbled, Lord, by your grace and how you use me and and each of us as channels for your righteousness. And Lord, I I pray for the lost here today. I pray for those that are disenfranchised, those who have walked away because they've been hurt by the church, those who are lukewarm because life has happened. Lord, I pray that today would be a day that they would make a decision for you. And if that's you, Lord, anybody here, Lord, I pray that you would bring them down that you would cause them to desire to repent of their sin, cause them to, to, 
to repent of their lethargy. Lord, do a work. Use Calvi Aurora to just turn this city upside down, to turn this metropolitan area upside down. Lord, but everybody, if everybody served here, Lord, I just could imagine what you would do. So have your way, Lord. Bless your people, encourage your people, cause them by the power of your spirit to lay their lives down and do it all for you because it's all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.